Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Big Interview q and show for February. I'm Martin Gregg and with me today are Graham Hunter, host of the Big Interview and our guest for these shows, La Liga TV's Pete Jensen. We have questions, as always, from our socios who support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and from our sponsors at Bet365. So part one is going to be a bit of a Barca fest and we make no apologies for that. The socios obviously direct where these Q&As go and they had lots of queries on Barca and Xavi. So we're going to start with that. Barcelona were obviously in Europa League action last night as we're recording this um, against Napoli. 1-1 draw in camp now. But let's start with a couple of socio questions. This is socio Chris Hennigan who asks... Hi Graham and Pete, is Barca's frantic January transfer business a desperate attempt to secure the short-term goal of Champions League qualification without any consideration for Xavi's longer-term strategy? I ask because Adama, Aubameyang nor Alves are players you'd expect to ever be part of Xavi's vision of the future. And just to follow up with that, socio Ian Body asks, So guys, you gave a forthright analysis of Barca's winter acquisitions last time round, but what are your thoughts now you've seen them in action? So, cracking questions from Chris and Ian. Um, I'll maybe just add to that, Ferran Torres, one of their winter acquisitions, um, had an eventful game last night against Napoli, scoring a penalty and missing a couple of big chances at the end. Um, but overall, boys, what is your assessment of Barca's recruitment policy. Hello, socios. Thank you again. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for being there. I also don't feel much like the host. I think you're the host, or Neil's the host. I feel like I'm just a sort of qualified heckler, really, and Koch. Um, so, yeah, look, Chris put it well in that, certainly he put it well for my taste, in that this is one where you have to fly in the face of statistics, as, as Karim Benzema would urge us all to do Adama's contributions in the last three games have been essential even his deft picking out of Juan Jesus' fingernail yesterday for the penalty um, one of the, the weakest correct penalties I've ever seen awarded in the history of the game but it's clear that at the moment Adama is is creating goal chances and will have a lot of assists, um, a flurry of assists that have turned Barcelona's fortunes. But for my taste, even though he has surprised me a lot in terms of his quality of control, 
Um, it's called Tiff Crossing. He remains to my mind a limited footballer. And, and that's why you have to link Chris's question with Ian's because if Barcelona don't qualify for the Champions League, Adama will be like a lottery win because it's, it's not easy to recruit high-quality players on salaries that won't necessarily compete with the absolute elite clubs around the world. And players aren't that tickled by, by playing Europa League or the players that Barcelona need to upgrade. So maintaining Adama in the situation that they don't do anything other than qualify for the Europa League will be absolutely wonderful. In terms of their, their, their flourishing, in terms of playing to the way that, that Xavi wants, where the footballers will be much more football intelligent, whereby the, the pass and move and the decision-making must be really high-grade. Adama isn't there, and is even more exquisitely balanced in that his representative is George Mendes, as is the representative of Trincao. Barcelona want to do a deal, a deal with um, Wolves, which would include Trincao um, staying there for a fee that more than cancels out Adama's purchase price if, if, if he were to stay. That's stuff that, you know, I don't particularly enjoy and I don't think it's really what Chris and uh, and the Bodmeister are trying to get at the intricacies of boardroom wheeling and dealing and finances. I'll leave Pete to talk about the you know the, the remainder of the the transfer market work, which right now has been about efficacy rather than about vision. And yes, to to be more uh, brief, it's it's all absolutely predicated on two things. Who, who can we get in while we're literally doing an opportunity in Oxhue Green, plate spinning on top of Garden Canes because the finances were so brutal? How can we... What what operations will square with financial fair play and at all costs get us into the top four? That's been the way in which um, uh, Matteo Aleman, John Laporta and Xavi have been forced to think. I think Chris is right. I think it was complete short-termism um, provoked by absolute panic that they weren't going to make the top four. And um, certainly in the case of Obama Yang, because you've got this Dembele problem. You've got this fellow who doesn't want to sign an extension and is probably going to leave for free. They're going to have this, a very similar problem next season with Obama Yang. Obama Yang's come in on, on a reduced um, wage because he was, what was he, on 350 uh, at Arsenal. Um, but that's going to be bumped back up to sort of Arsenal levels next season, um, and you know they're not going to be able to sell him. He'll, he'll be he'll be running down that that final year. And judging from the performance last night, I thought he was okay, but none of the kind of explosive, um, you know, getting into getting into goal scoring positions that we saw when he was at his best at Arsenal. So that was definitely a, a short term move, and and that's that's going to be that's a that's something that they've kicked down the road for next season. You know they'll have a problem, I think, with Obama Yang. Um, I think Adam has been okay. I don't think it's the end of the world that he's that he's limited because I think um, for what Xavi wants him to do, um, um, I think he's made it quite simple for him, and I think Adam is responding to quite simple instructions. But it was notable last night that Dembélé, who, by the way, if anyone didn't see the game, um, 
was um, was whistled by the company like I've never ever heard. Um, I was at the stadium and I've never heard that sort of treatment for a Barcelona player. I mean, he would have been whistled left if he less if he'd if he'd run on with a Real Madrid shirt, basically. And it wasn't just when he ran on; it was his first touch and his second touch and his third touch. And I don't know what he got inside his head, but he was completely unfazed by it. And he was brilliant in the last ten minutes. And he just has something else that that highlights what Graham's saying about Adama being limited. Um, so they're both short-term moves. Um, Ferran Torres is, is much longer term. Um, and obviously Alves is longer term. I mean, he's going to be around for another four or five years. So, um, uh, yeah, they've, they've, they've panicked. Um, it's going to be fascinating this end of season because either Xavi or Diego Simeone is not going to be in the Champions League the way things are going. It's going to be a fight to the finish between those two. Who's going to be worse, basically? And who's going to play in, in the Europa League next season? Because judging from last night's game, I don't think I don't think Barcelona are going to win the Europa League. And just to pick that baton up, there's, there's two things you know I'd like to say. One, I think that without necessarily reference to um, Chris and Ian's questions, Pete's point about Aubameyang is spot on. But, but I can't help have the suspicion that we're seeing specifically Ferran Torres and Aubameyang. Paying the price for not having had really regular football in the in the build oh, up to arriving, yeah, it really showed. And, and that won't change either the quality of your answer or or the drive of the two lads' questions. But I think somebody's going to get a whacking soon, and a genuine whacking. Now I don't think it's going to be in the Maradona Stadium next week in the south of Italy. I suspect we all could be confused in thinking some of this isn't very good when what we're seeing is is just that infinitesimal lack of click in a first-time pass, in a one-two, in a finish. And with games, um, particularly with certain footballs, with games that will come. Listen, Pedri's another example which is not pertinent to this section, whereby I think there are a handful of them who are operating at about 90% through no fault of their own, largely through either being relegated to the bench or, or injury. And, and Pete's point was good for those who socios who didn't manage to watch the game um, Barcelona and Napoli 1-1 Ferran Torres ended the game you know not weeping but in tears because he thought he'd fucked it up for, for Barcelona and I stood next to it wasn't my question but I stood next to Xavi in the flash zone um, when he was answering a Spanish female journalist who said look Ferran finished in tears and, and, and Xavi launched himself into it he went He's too demanding with himself. He doesn't give himself any leeway. And that's the reason that he's so emotional about this. The goals will come. I've seen this before. It's about click. Yes, we need efficacy. No, that finishing won't do us. But I have complete faith in them that I've seen this before. It'll come. And I think that's right. And I think that, you know, the Ian's was like, how do you assess now? And I, and I think that with Danny Alves, I think that even... However much I uh, adored watching him, the slight alteration in him bombing up and down a little bit less, playing inside in the style that Pep Guardiola has often liked his fullbacks to play, and distributing the ball more has been really exciting. And I couldn't believe I spoke to an ex Barca player recently who was saying, "Oh, Dest is so much better than the current Dani Alves." Well, I mean, no, no. Occupy the the back end of the pantomime horse. 
you. I mean, just unbelievable. So look, uh, the long shot is I think that there's more to come, but it seems that both Pete and I, and I, I can see from your expression, Martin, are agreed that there has been significant short-termism. And, and the other thing about the window activity is what was happening before the window is that Barcelona were doing OK for 70 minutes and then falling off the end of the cliff uh, for the final 20 minutes of the game. Now, Xavi, whoever starts, he's got three first-class options to come on. Um, and, and, and they're finishing games much stronger, as we saw last night. So, you know, yeah, that, that's one thing that they definitely were able to achieve in the window. Yeah, I mean, Chris doesn't actually mention Ferran Torres in his question. I don't think Ian does either. That was kind of made it through him into the mix. But I know you guys are both big fans of him, been talking him up for, for a while. And it just seems like he needs a bit of momentum in his career. He needs a right manager who knows how to play him in the right way. And, you know, if you were making a case for some kind of longer term strategy in that recruitment policy, then probably he's the one you would go to, isn't it? Well, the, the first thing to say is that. Um, one, I'm a little bit surprised that he, until last night, has been consistently used as a nine because that's not his position. And you you always have to think about uh, how Barca play in context of what the nine is asked to do because it's not the same as in all other teams. And very often Barcelona are against um, really packed defences and they're trying to build up. And Ferran Torres isn't really adept at playing with his back to goals. That's one thing you take away um, from a striker which Aubameyang can do and Luke de Jong clearly can do and he played largely on the left last night coming in and it showed second half that he was either he was ordered or he took responsibility to come in closer to Aubameyang so that he's coming in off the wing and Alba could overlap and when those two played closer together albeit that the chance that Aubameyang created for Torres was first half Ferran Torres is much happier coming into what used to be when I was playing football the inside forward inside left inside left inside right and he himself has said that his best position is right wing coming in so at the moment we've got we've got a half foot player whose finishing isn't quite good enough playing in two of the three positions up front except for his own one the one that he prefers so he's got a big fight to unseat Adama and I think that's really important secondly to see him so emotional at the end I don't claim and Peter I interview a lot Martin I know you were a big interviewer before you 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 launched back page none of us claim to know footballers intimately from interviews but when they open up when the interview goes well you can learn things about them one thing in the interviews I've learned so far about Ferran Torres and I've done about four he's a really strong character really light hearted funny um, intelligent creative inventive type of young guy so to see him so not destroyed but so distraught last night was something of an eye raiser for an eyebrow raiser for me I was I was pretty surprised Javi said afterwards that in the dressing room they they, they kind of huddled around him and, 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 and talked about Luis Suarez and the fact that Suarez when Suarez turned up he was missing chances left right and centre he looked like he was never going to score for Barcelona um, <laughs> he's setting the bar a bit high there um, Luis Suarez the third highest scorer in Barcelona's history but I think it speaks well of Torres that he, he got into four magnificent positions last night. He, he didn't take any of them, but they, we've, we've seen him score hat-tricks for City and for Spain before. And there'll be other games when he gets in the same positions and takes all the chances. All right, let's finish part one with a kind of related question from socio Robert Ryan. He says, will a run in Europe be on Xavi's list of things to do? It may really boost confidence going into next season. So... It's an interesting one how Barca actually view the Europa League. I think we've already mentioned, touched on that um, you can't see them as being uh, winners of the, the tournament. But 
how how do they regard this? I mean, is it all about the top four, and this is just like um, a, a distraction? Well, it was. A t- I mean, Xavi said in the pre-match press conference that it was a it was a very tough draw. And Napoli have got the best defensive record in Serie A, um, and they're they're built like a side who the, the teams that tend to play well against Barca are sides that defend effectively in a deep block, and and then counter attack brilliantly, and and that's pretty much what what Napoli do. So it was an awful draw, um, and you know if they end up going out next Thursday, um, you know we can't lose sight of the fact that you know they got the worst possible team, uh, and they weren't able to build up some momentum before before playing a team of, of Napoli's quality later in the competition. Um, I think I, I think the, the the tune had been changed, not just the Champions League theme tune, but the tune had been changed inside the club. Obviously, the disappointment of being knocked out of the Champions League, fans not being interested, we, we we won't even go to the game. The atmosphere was brilliant last night, and they want to win it. They want to win it, and 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 um, it's the only thing they can win. Um, and you know they've got the squad depth now to go for that and to go for a top four place. Absolutely, um, but whether they can get past this first hurdle. Um, that remains to be seen. Yeah, I, first of all, I want to betray a truth, which is young uh, Roberto would have been cheering for the Italian side last night, given his heritage. Um, and I fully agree with Pete. It's 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 definitely a, a high priority to win. It can't be a higher priority than finishing in the top four because everything now is predicated on financial redemption. And the financial redemption of the Champions League isn't simply what you earn. It's something upon which a lot of guarantees are staked. So a lot of the borrowing that they've done is is lodged on their viability, <laughs> which isn't just next season's Champions League, but the next six or seven Champions League seasons. So I don't think in, in big club terms, we've often talked about a subject where being in the top four or winning the Europa League is, is more important. Um, but you, the daily life of a club is is based upon small things that add up, and a lot of that is momentum, confidence, how you regard yourself, how how you believe other people are regarding you, because that all those little little hundreds and thousands add up to a nice trifle if you're getting them right. So, for example. There's a fleet of Spanish sides in the Europa League and in majority they look like progressing. The finals in Seville, winning the final is a guaranteed route into the Champions League. Percentage-wise, the easier route into the Champions League is what you're used to doing, which is top four. And it's 100% within their grasp with this squad. In fact, my my belief is that they will um, finish in the top three and it's not outlandish to think of... of being second, it's not outlandish at least. And the idea of watching a tournament go by because you're defeated in, in Naples next week with um, the other Spanish sides pushing on determinedly and there being three Spanish sides in the semi-final and an all-Spanish final at Seville and you're not involved, those things damage <clears throat> self-regard and pride. And one of the things that's really, really important, I remember when... I had, a, I had a, a, a crowd of friends who were used to taking percentage bets on football came to the 2009 uh, Copa del Rey final, which was in Valencia, and it was Barcelona against Athletic. Athletic hadn't been in a final for the longest time. They're passionate fans. They flooded the city days before. 
you got down there on match day, there were very few Barca fans. Um, Barca had other fish to fry, which is the league and the Champions League. And I remember these these percentage men who, who's, you know, stake heavily on sport saying, well, listen, this isn't a big deal for us. I, I can't believe you've said that. Pep and, and Xavi has a similar ideal. To, to The winning habit is everything. You win everything. You win all the time. You win against your four-year-old kid if you're playing dominoes. And, and you certainly never, ever renounce the chance of winning a final and lifting a trophy. So I, I'll, I'll yield to no one in, in saying that the, the route to the Champions League, the easier route to the Champions League is, is finishing top four. But Robert's right, and Pete stated it more succinctly than me, it's... It's a it's a vast and, and highly regarded task to try and get through against Napoli and win the Europa League. OK, it's time for a break. We'll be back in a moment with a couple more questions to complete part one of this month's Q&A. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And we're back with a question from Socio Shane Hurley. Shane says, Gentlemen, as Spanish football experts, can I get your analysis of Xavi's in-game management? From a TV screen far away in Ireland, he seems to be both reactive and proactive when needed and willing to throw caution to the wind, like the end of the Espanyol clash. And the side is definitely playing with more of a recognised style. Players are looking more empowered. So do you think this is Xavi improving and reinvigorating players, or is it still a new manager bounce, tied in with some players fighting hard to earn a place at Barca next season? 
So it's a really interesting question from Shane. Um, we've also seen about three months of Chavi in the dugout to date. Pete, we did a Q&A in November um, where you said that you thought Chavi had shown enough in the first three games to suggest he might be as good as Pep. Although, obviously, the caveat was that Pep had Messi, so he might not achieve anything like Pep did. Um, I think your quote was, he's 10 moves ahead, he's like a chess grand master, which w- was a brilliant insight. But I wonder, three months on, do you do you see the progression in this in-game management? Is he still developing at the same rate that, that you saw in those early stages? Well, he's fighting against not really having having the players. Um, and I think, um, I can't remember if he said it publicly or privately, but um, frustration about players not understanding positional play. Um, and um, so he still hasn't got the he still hasn't got the right tools. Um, I think he's he's shown um, a flexibility that I didn't expect him to show, and that's the reason why um, Luke De Jong um, salvaged a point last week in the Catalan derby. Knock it up to the big man. He's not he's not afraid to do that now. Whereas when he first very first turned up, Luke De Jong wasn't so much as warming up in games. Um, the Alves inside um, innovation, um, which Graham has already mentioned, a la Can- Cancelo in, in, in Manchester City, is is, is fascinating. Um, he's trying to do something with Luke, De, uh, not Luke De Jong, with um, Frankie De Jong. We, we we spoke about this last time, didn't we? And I defended him. I mean, he he wasn't great again last night. He was played in the Busquets role. Um, it's a work in progress, um, and it's a it's it, it's a work that's that's slow going because of because of the the resources he has available to him. I, I was interested to hear what Graham said about Dest earlier. I don't quite understand why 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 Dest has has, has disappeared. Um, and I thought he was good last night when he came on. I mean, it's clear that he's one of those who's not getting it. I mean, that's why he's he's just completely off the map. Um, and to for Mengesa to play ahead of him last night was was damning um, when you've got no other options. Um, but I liked Dest when he first arrived. I thought he, I thought he had some defensive um, steel to his game, which which was missing from from his predecessors. That they had Barca's long term problem of not being not being able to replace Alves to the point where they ended up buying back Alves, the first player that Guardiola bought, ends up being the first player that Xavi brings in. Um, I don't quite understand why, um, and we don't get to see training anymore, as, as Graham points out um, every time, uh, which is a shame. But Dest is an interesting one to me because I still think all the raw materials are there, and I don't really know why Xavi seems to have put an X next to it to, to his name. Shane, um, one of the things that we have to, to qualify in terms of Xavi's in-game management, which equally fascinates me, I love watching the way in which managers read games and then how brave they are because it's a <clears throat> if you're not a coach or a manager who just says let's change three bodies because that'll give us freshness and if you don't use <clears throat> this theme that I hated seeing during the transfer window from from fans not not necessarily and some journalists we need new bodies we need bodies we need new well that's not right nobody of any worth thinks like that they all think about quality, intelligence, plugging particular gaps. And that goes for substitutions too, so that refers to your in-game. And I think that Xavi is relatively proactive, but I think the factor you need to include is what Pete mentioned, which is, particularly when you're new and you're teaching, there's only a certain degree to which you'll get what you've asked for. 
because when you get what you've asked for all the time, you get ultra beautiful winning football. It's just as simple as that. Um, if, if you're a coach of the quality of Chabby. Um, so I think there's a lot more to come. But your in-game management question um, sparks a memory of both, both Pete and I, when we commentate or we work in, uh, or we go to La Liga uh, studios, we, we have the benefit of listening to Bruno Bergarecci and Jamie Easton on the, on the touchline, right on the touchline, not up in the press box where Pete and I were last night. And therefore, as, as well as seeing, you can hear. And one of the things that's an ongoing process in game management, Shane, is Gavi, it's all very well for us whose livelihoods don't rely on performance and results and, and in-game intelligence from footballers. Gavi is wonderful at given how fiery he is because you know he utterly transformed that match last night when he came on throughout almost his entire stretch as a first his long stretch as a first team 17 year old he's been the one that makes a difference carries responsibility changes the pace but he's absolutely got no uh, concept of when enough is enough and, and you need to manage a referee's Behavior or manager or referee's view of you. It's just like every ball is one of my children that's been stolen. And therefore that leads into fouling a lot and it leads into a host of yellow cards and most recently um, a red card, which I think was probably, I think it was at Granada. Xavi's in-game management includes non-stop tutorials for Gavi. Non-stop, easy, that's enough. Don't dive in. And, and it's the equivalent of blinkers and a horse race, uh, racehorse sometimes all the natural gifts you've got aren't enough and you need just to be directed a little bit and he does that very well indeed and equally I saw last night the there was a moment earlier on when Eric Garcia released a pass into the midfield and, and one of Garcia's uh, strengths is that he's <clears throat> reasonably good reasonably intelligent on the ball going forward and as soon as he launched his pass he could see like Pete said three passes forward and I forget who he gave it to. I think it was De Jong. But he pushes the ball forward and De Jong's got a little bit of space. And Garcia thinks he can see what the next two, three passes should have been. But as soon as De Jong just takes a slight turn to the left, Garcia's got his hands on his head. Long before the move um, yields something or breaks down is that he hasn't done what Garcia could see. And Xavi is yelling at him, yelling at him from the side. Right, you, you do it then in that case. Take six more strikes and you make that pass not not telling him off but he's seen it he's understood it he's communicating it and we, we change question might refer to a lot of the managers we see um, let, let's take two examples in Spain Unai Emery and Chul Simeone they're they're, in, they're infamous for their sort of Magnus Pike waving arms that makes their limbs look like parts of a windmill and if something goes right, there's a suspicion that the, that's brilliant. The coach's perpetual uh, Van de Graaff generator and, and energy has changed. But if you watch really closely, Unai Emery and, and Chola Sumione, when their team loses the ball and there's a break going on with that position, they'll be like, back, back. Every, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's nuclear physicism. That's unbelievable, yeah. You go back when you've lost the ball and they're countering against you. And, and, and a, a opposition player will be coming down the wing next to one of those two coaches and they'll be pointing at his fullback going, come, 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 come. 
coaches come out with a lot of bullshit on the on the touchline. Players often can't hear them and ignore them. So when you say Shane watches in game management, like Pete talked about formations and substitutes, I think that he's already in in the upper crust. I think as a young manager who's been dealing with a different type of atmosphere and different types of players in Qatar, I think there's a lot of development still needs to come from Charlie. I'm not just bigging up his, you know, his, his encyclopedia of football that's in his brain. I think that he will be developing and learning lessons. And one of the things that has interested me is he was absolutely tied to 3-4-3. He absolutely wanted three centre-backs and, and one of the full-backs playing in midfield for superiority of numbers. And Barcelona didn't understand how to play that. It was caught in his first few games, what he had about 16 games now, ballpark, forgive me if I'm one or, one or two out, but uh, 100 days, which he said has felt like 100 years. They weren't coping with 3-4-3. It should have been perfect. Three strikers pinning, pressing, four in midfield for superiority of numbers, domination of possession, and it wasn't working. It may still be the right formation, but they weren't ready to play it. So he went to four three three again. So there's there's flexibility, and I think there's an, he understands, and I think he's developing and changing now. As Pete um, begun with, it's about how quickly the players understand him, both before the game, but also during the game. Okay, let's finish with a question from our sponsors at Bet Three Six Five. They say. Have Real Madrid got what it takes to turn the tie against PSG around? So this is obviously a reference to the 1-0 defeat in Paris on Tuesday night in the Champions League last 16. Is there a way back for them in the return leg? Just as a little sidebar, boys, um, one moment which I really enjoyed was Carvajal's foul on Mbappe for the penalty. And I, I always really enjoy when a player like commits a foul so obvious that they don't even bother to protest their innocence. So good, good on Danny for just like you know. There you go, have it. I've done it, and I need to accept the consequences. So it's also great to see a penalty that is an absolute proper penalty. I mean, there, there's now so many penalties that there were two more last night. I think Aya Fabel tickled someone in the area, and that was a spot kick. And even the handball. I mean, it does it doesn't why, change why the trajectory of the cross. His fingernail. Yeah. And you never see it in open play. It needs the it needs the video the the video assistant referee to. Are you being clear and obvious there with your intervention? I mean, are you saying that there should now be for a tackle like that, Pete? There should be a, a VAR icon where VAR just says, "Are they going to VAR?" VAR says yes. Anyway, getting back to the the question in hand, <laughs> have Real Madrid got what it takes to turn it around against PSG? I think there are three reasons why not. One is the fact that um, the Bernabeu is not the Bernabeu at the moment. There is um, The supporters are a long, long way from the pitch. It's obviously being renovated um, and um, it's not the cauldron at all that it, that, it, that, it, that it has been on other big nights. It could be on other big European nights. There's no filler Monday, um, which is a huge miss. I, and if you take Alaba out of the out of the centre of the defence to deal with that problem because you don't want to risk Marcelo. You're, you're destroying what is a very good central defensive or breaking up what is a very good central defensive partnership. Um, and um, and there's no Casemiro. And even though he's not been brilliant this season, he's, he's still irreplaceable. Um, and I think, um, and I sort of hope as well because of, because of all the abuse he got particularly from French, for, for in France after the first leg, I hope that Messi, who hasn't scored against Barcelona since 2018... Turns up at the Bernabeu, sees that big Casemiro hole, Casemiro-shaped hole, um, and 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 has one of his best games for a while. So I think those two reasons, the two players that are out, and the and the, the and the and the fact that the Bernabeu is not not what it was at the moment, it's going to be nigh on impossible for them to come back. 
When you first posed this question to me in, in the warm-up, uh, Martin, I answered with uh, a very strong expression, which was CTF. And the first two words are can they? Um, let me just try and um, be provocative and, and turn around A, what I believe and B, what Pete said there. The, the tie is not till the beginning of March. And one of the absolute, absolute key factors in Paris was that Benzema played... I mean, not only was it evident that Benzema wasn't ready pre-match, there's footage of him telling Mbappe in the tunnel that he's still a little bit injured with the audio. Um, and he performed probably at about 85%, and he was still easily one of Madrid's best three men. So when Benzema is, um, is fit again, fingers crossed, for March the 9th, and his link with Vinicius is significantly better. And again, fingers crossed, they've got Gareth Bale, 100% match ready, match fit, and it's a completely different um, goal scoring threat because Benzema Vinicius account for 59 of the goal contributions, whether it's an assist or hitting the net this season. And when you take Vinicius, is somebody that, okay, I've praised up because I felt he was being overhammered. Right now, I think that he's become what they say a little bit chulo. His actions around the training ground are just a little bit off centre. When he doesn't have Benzema or Mondi or an informed Modric around him, he's not yet at that um, stage where he can carry an entire game against a side like Paris Saint-Germain. So I'm going to argue that should it be the case that they have fully fit Benzema and informed Vinicius, and I'd like to see um, Bale, you know, ready, at it, motivated, angry, I'll show you all, we'll go out, you know, I'll go out at the end of my contract. But, you know, much though I've criticised both him and his representatives, who I think have been clowns, and I don't like his his life view about, hey, it's okay, I'm, you know, I'm me, I've won things before, I'm wealthy and I love golf, but it's not enough. He's over-criticised, but he doesn't do himself favours. If that's your front three, and each of them are absolutely bang on form, and it's obviously natural, not Marcelo, and Courtois has his night, and Modric is Modric, for whatever reason, hadn't been training well. And these are words that I, I um, you know, it's, it's it's odd to say because it's completely out of character. But in days leading up to the game, Modric, for whatever reason, had been training completely out of character. I don't know if it was tiredness, if he's pissed off at something, or whether it's just one of those things that happened. But it was. It, it was a really, really poor game from him. So losing Casemiro on Monday is, like Pete said, it's close to disastrous. There's no argument about that. And what's more, Paris Saint-Germain, if Roman did have left pressing and pressing and pressing and playing out the pitch, Paris Saint-Germain, <clears throat> with a fully fit front three, not only can play devastatingly on the break, the difference Neymar made when he came on, so we need to see what Nick PSG are in. You'd normally say Real Madrid attacking even a good team at Bernabeu only one 0 down. You'd say, yeah, it's possible. Right now, if this if this match were next week, I would say I go back to my expression, can they? And I'd say the chances were about five percent. By March, I think there's reason to believe that we could have a contest if the right things happen for Real Madrid. 
and, and that is the luck of the draw. Okay, that's it for the first part of this month's Q&A. We'll be back with more from Pete and Graham in part two very soon. Thanks to the socios who sent in questions and thank you to you for listening. Bye for now. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.